Welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle, a podcast for midlife moms who want to make the next season of life their best one yet. I am your host, Jenny Gwynn. You might find yourself transitioning into a new phase of life as your children become more independent or leave the nest. Mama, I am here to tell you that your life isn't over. You simply have new opportunities ahead of you. After years of pouring your heart and soul into raising your family, it is your turn to reconnect with yourself. In this podcast, we will talk about the joys and challenges of midlife. You will be inspired to rediscover your God-given purpose or to dust off old dreams and make them a reality. You'll learn how to navigate relationships with your adult children, to reconnect in your marriage, or focus on your health by being more active or finally losing the weight you've struggled with for years. Whatever this next season of life brings, this podcast will equip and encourage you to be happy, healthy, and holy. Hey friends, I'm Jenny Gwen, and this is Catholic Moms in the Middle. I am so, so excited about the show that I have for you this week. And what I'm most excited about is the guest that I have invited to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. My guest is Joe Moody. So welcome, Joe. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Yes. So I want to tell you, give you a little backstory about um, why Joe is here and how she has been a part of my recent faith journey. I shared in a show a couple of weeks ago about um, the Summer of Divine Connections and how Christ opened so many doors and was leading me down a path that was unexpected. It all started in April when I returned from my pilgrimage to Medjugorje. And I came home and I was, I just felt this fire was inside of me and that I had been blessed to travel to this amazing place. And I felt like God was saying, I'm preparing you for something big. There, like, I have big plans for your life. And I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And so I really prayed and I had this yearning and this desire to do great work for God. And I started reading a book by uh, Randy Clark and Dr. Mary Healy about the spiritual gifts. I think it was called the Spiritual Gifts Handbook. And just could feel the Holy Spirit running through me and wanted to like step out and and practice those gifts. And so having a conversation with a um, a priest who's a good friend, Father Mark, he encouraged me to go to the Greater Things Conference, which is a annual Randy Clark conference. And he said in his text message, um, you're going to meet a woman named Joanne Moody. You need to, you know, check out her book. But before you do, buckle your seatbelt because you <laughs> are going to go on the ride of your life. I ordered your book and began reading it and it spoke to me. Like I couldn't put the book down. I listened to some of your videos online and Found out you were doing a couple of events this summer in Nashville. It's just been like one connection after another. Through those events, I have met some of the most amazing people from different denominations. I have this little core group of Catholics that I met through there. So it has just been amazing to see the way God has opened doors. And it's like he's leaving these little breadcrumbs. And I'm just following along wherever he leads them. And it's so exciting to see where that's going. I love it. I didn't didn't even know all that backstory. That's fantastic. Yes. So when I ordered your book, and it's called Everyday Supernatural, 
experiencing God's unexpected manifestation in your life. I took it on uh, vacation with me, and I opened to the first page, and there was a quote by one of my favorite saints, St. Catherine of Siena. I knew there was going to be something powerful in this book because it's really my life's quote, my mantra. It is, be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. My favorite quote. I love it. I have it framed in my house. And every time people read that quote, they say, wow, that really is God. You right. really helped set the world on fire. And it's not about your efforts. It's about who the king is inside of you. It's amazing. Absolutely. And it's authentic for everyone. Yeah. Everybody yeah. has, you know, a different place in the kingdom. So I want to talk about, in your book, you talk about um, the supernatural gifts and being the cradle Catholic and teaching in the Catholic school for 26 years. We talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but we talk about like more of the traditional gifts, like wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude. We talk about those. And sometimes I feel like we fall short of talking about the charisms. We have those gifts. There's different, I don't know if it's levels or layers of gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us so that we can build up the kingdom here on earth. Right. There are the gifts of the the gifts that you're speaking of, the gifts of of wisdom, the 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 seven spirits of God, the, the gifts that that God has entrusted us with, those gifts are so important because we, without the gift of wisdom, without the counsel of the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be able to operate in the charismata of, of, of the Holy Spirit. So the, the charismatic gifts are the gifts of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles. Um, and, and these kinds of things are not that common to a lot of different denominations within Protestantism and within the Catholic Church itself. However, uh, the Lord did not separate out those gifts. He basically told us in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to go and proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. But when you know uh, and you have really uh, researched the gospels and you've studied the life of the Lord, and you've seen how Jesus operated, he never preached without the demonstration of the charismata. He never demonstrated the charismata without preaching. He did, he had the word and he had the spirit and he had the spirit and he had the word. What we have done, because we're kind of afraid of the charismata, we don't really understand how to partner with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're more comfortable with the word, which we need the word. The word is our lamp, the word is our guide, the word, Jesus became the word. Um, we must have the Word of God within us. The Word of God brings life to the believer, but it falls upon deaf ears without the demonstration of the charismata to the unbeliever. But when you come with the Word of God on your lips and the power of the Holy Spirit in your hands, it changes a life in a second. So Jesus came with both to an unbelieving generation, and then he said, you will go and do the greater things than even I did. And I think that the big stumbling block for people today who are believers is, well, that's just for the people who do that sort of thing. Those people on the platforms, people that have a microphone, those people that are born to do that. Well, that's what I used to think. I used to think, well, 
you know, I don't even know who does that. I, I was in a Baptist church, so I, I never saw anyone do that. And then when I did see someone do that, eventually I, I was like, well, that certainly isn't me that's supposed to do that. Until I went back and reread the Gospels again and said, oh, how did I miss this? How, how was I blind? So why do you think people are hesitant? I think, first of all, they don't know, um, they don't know the Holy Spirit as the third person of, of the God who is triune. Uh, we know God the Father, uh, we know God the Son, but we don't know God the Holy Spirit. And I think that we brush over uh, Acts, especially chapter 2, as, as being a point in church history, a point in the very beginning of church birthing, where the Spirit fell upon people and 5,000 were saved and they spoke in unknown tongues. And we look at that and we say, well, of course, it was expansion time. That was the time Jesus said, wait until you're clothed with power from on high. And then we say, well, that was a time we don't live in that time anymore. Right. Doesn't make sense because Jesus, if he said you will do greater things, he told the disciples, he, he explained for three years, he walked with them, he taught them, but it was not until they were baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit that they really were going to step into a lifestyle of miracles. So I think, why don't people operate in this? They don't understand the Holy Spirit. They don't know him. Jesus said, I'm better that I go away. It's better that I leave you because I'm sending the one. I'm sending the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus said would teach us all things, 1 John 2, 27. And in the Holy Spirit, in knowing the Holy Spirit, you begin to have your eyes open, your supernatural senses trained that, oh, wait a minute. It's not that I just believe Jesus and my soul is saved. Of course, that's the biggest miracle of all. Right. I was born for a greater purpose than just to live out my life until I go be with the Lord in heaven. I actually was commissioned when I said yes to Jesus to actually live a lifestyle that demonstrates the power of the kingdom. When I came to the life school intensive this summer and I was driving, it was 45 minutes from the house going out to Doreen's farmhouse. I was a nervous rat because I was stepping out of my comfort zone. Like I can talk to Catholics all day long. I feel right at home at any Catholic conference, but you know, the holy out there is like, God, what? This is a mistake. I shouldn't be going. I don't know these people. I don't know what's going to happen. And so sitting there during the day, and I mean, it was so beautiful. What I was learning and what we were talking about, I had to keep my, reminding myself, oh, this is not a Catholic conference, but yet it was a Catholic conference. Like everything was aligned with the truth. It was straight from Scripture. As I was sitting there, I felt like God convicted me, especially as we got on maybe day two or three, and I was watching as the Spirit was manifesting in people and they were being prayed over. And that's not the norm for me when I go to church. And I felt like God convicted me and He said, look, I gave you the Holy Spirit and you believe that it is through the Holy Spirit that the bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus and the Eucharist. Right. If I can do that, then why can't 
the Holy Spirit do all of these other things? And that to me was like, okay, if, if I truly believe in the Eucharist, then I can believe in the gift of prophecy and healing and that God can show up in these other ways. Wow, what a beautiful thing for him to tell you. Yeah. Because it all comes down to his blood, his right. blood body. He, he did the thing that was impossible, and he does it every single day. If normal people are willing to just step out and embrace this lifestyle that we were, we were literally born for. Right. I, I think some of the things that are, are so interesting, when you begin to, to study the life of Jesus, you begin to study, what did he actually tell his followers? And then what did he tell everybody? And you look at some of the scriptures that parallel the gospels and I, and, and we read the Psalms that say, you know, I, I foreknew you, I knit you together in your mother's womb before the foundations of the earth, the thoughts I have about you outnumber the grains of sand on the earth. We were a thought in the mind of God long before we came here uh, to this planet. And it's so fascinating to me how quickly uh, once we find salvation in Jesus, we put him in a box and we are more comfortable just saying, I believe in Jesus, I'm a Christian, and then live your life in this tiny little orb, which is so far from the abundant life that he paid for. When he said, I came to give you life and life abundant, it wasn't supposed to look average. It was actually supposed to look supernatural. Right. I think people get afraid of that word supernatural, like you have to be some freaky, weird person. But, right. but, you know, the love of Jesus is what changed the planet. The love of Jesus is what changed your heart and my heart. The love of Jesus is what is to be expressed through our lives. And that is the supernatural. The love of Jesus, the fact that you can love a stranger with the compassion of Jesus in a second, it can come on you. Even if you're not a merciful person, I'm not particularly merciful by nature, but that when I began to look with the Lord, with his eyes. And I say, who do you want me to pray for? Is there somebody in this crowd you want me to go talk to? You want me to, you know, give them an encouragement, uh, which to me is how I express prophecy. Uh, and, and if I have this inkling, oh, it's this person in the red sweater, go over there. I will go over there. I'm not going to tell you that it's not nerve wracking. It always is. But I always know that my God will show up because he is faithful, way more faithful than we are. And so in a moment to share love with somebody is the kingdom. Wow. And so a story, when I was reading your book, I was in California. I had made an appointment to go and have my brows waxed while I was there. And I had just read that day, sharing words of encouragement is as simple as saying, did you know Jesus loves you? I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. So I'm, I go down to the spa in the hotel and I'm laying on the table and I've had this lovely conversation with this young girl about her life. And, um, it was like five minutes. And all of a sudden I hear this little boy say, tell her I love her. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm laying on a table having, (laughs) this is not appropriate. And so it keeps getting louder to tell her I love her. And I'm like, okay, God, if this is really you, then set my arms on fire. I am coming up with every reason not to do this. So finally, I hear him say, tell her I love her and give her the $40 that's in your wallet. So I'm like, okay, fine. 
I stand up when we're done. And it was the first time that, like, I'd give words of encouragement, but it was the first time I had really done anything like this. And I looked at her and said, I don't do this very often, but I feel like God wants me to tell you that He loves you. And as I said that, I started crying. And I said, you know, He wants you to know whatever you're going through, He hasn't forgotten you. He knows it's difficult. He will walk you through it. And I'm just like a a hot mess crying. And so then she cries and she says, you don't understand what that means to me. And I hand her the money and I, I go out and pay. And I go upstairs and my mom was in the room upstairs and I, you know, tell her what I did. And I said, that was the most expensive brow wax I've ever gotten, but I will never, ever forget it. And so it broke the ice for me. Like, it's just as simple as saying, did you know Jesus loves you? Without overthinking, am I, am I doing this right? Which gift is this? Am I going to get it wrong? Are people going to think I'm weird? Yes. That's truly what you did is, is how our lives are supposed to be cooperating with, partnering with the manifest presence of God that lives within us. And when you're still, it's interesting to me, it happens to me frequently if I am getting a massage or I'm in a still quiet place where the Lord will say, just like you were still in quiet getting your brows done, he will speak to you and he'll say, do this. And I've had crazy encounters uh, in, in places like that with what you've described. I think here's what happens if you ignore his voice. So let's say you're still in quiet. You're sitting there getting your nails done. How about that? And you're like, oh gosh, I feel like the Lord just impressed on me. I need to say this to this person doing my nails, but I don't want to be a weird. I don't want to do that. I'm telling you, if you'll just take a risk and you do it, it's the greatest blessing. Like you said, the most expensive railway you ever had. However, it changed your life. Right. You were used by God to change somebody else's life. You just expanded the kingdom in a second by participating and being obedient to the voice of the Lord. And, and I, the more you do it, the easier it gets in this way. You can hear him. You know that you know that you know it's him and you respond. My friend Brian, we were just talking about him before we came on. Um, cause I just came back from South Africa. And Brian and his wife have six children because they had triplets after they had three kids. At least, yeah, surprise. Anyway, so all the kids are all teenagers. And Brian goes through drive-throughs, you know, this, so when the kids were younger, they would go through drive-throughs and Brian would practice partnering with the Holy Spirit in the drive-throughs. And I love telling this story because this was him being willing to risk with six children in the car, crazy chaos. He thought, Lord, if you can speak through me in a drive-thru speaker, then I'm going to get the boldness to start doing this face-to-face with people. So he would literally ask the Lord, what's wrong with the person who's taken my order? Do they have any pain in their body? And so this went on for years. This is how he developed such a radical gift of words of knowledge, which is part of the charismata, being able to hear the Lord for a pain in a particular person's body, whether you see it or you feel it or you have an impression of it or you dreamt it or whatever. So he would, he would get something about somebody in the drive-through. He would say, do you have, uh, you know, a headache on, it's on the left side in the back of your head to the person through the speakers taking his order. And they would say, what? He would repeat himself and they would say, yeah, 
And he'd say, well, as soon as I get up there to pay for this order, he would say, Jesus is going to heal you. Now, he just had 10 seconds or something to drive to the window. Most of the time, by the time he got to the window, the person was healed. And he got to tell them about Jesus. And they would hold their hand through the drive through window, and they would give their life to the Lord. And he did this for years and years and years. But this was his unique way of saying, okay, Lord, I don't want to be just that guy who got saved, has six kids, has a beautiful wife, and this is how I live. I want to do what you want me to do, so I'm willing to risk. And he got such a reputation around the city where he was. People loved it when he would come through the drive through with those kids. And then he taught the kids how to do it. So let's talk about the gift of healing, because I think the gift of healing is sometimes there's disbelief there. Oh, sure. Let's talk about why is it so hard for people to believe in the gift of healing? Well, we have medicine. So uh, here's an interesting thing. In, in America, we put precedence, as Christians, we put precedence over medicine and counseling before we put uh, the onus on God uh, and the Holy Spirit. We typically will refer anybody that's struggling to counseling before we actually pray for their mental health. It's just, it's something that we have done. However, if I travel to Africa, where I just came from, they don't have medical accessibility. The majority of settlement people, and in whether they're in informal or oral settlements in South Africa, they have no med- medical care. So they don't know that they can go anywhere else. So when you come with a team of people to pray in Jesus' name, man, healings happen like that because they have nothing else. So in America, we always have, for the most part, a medical option. We have not seen the demonstration of it in, in most Catholic and most Protestant churches. We don't see the demonstration of healing. So we grow up with the paradigm, whether we have found Jesus uh, from the birth you know, to now or we found him last week. We don't have a paradigm for that. Most, most of the time, we are growing up with medicine as the solution within our families. And so our context for thinking of God um, to be the healer. Now, it's not, it's not that we won't pray because, right, every, every mass, we're praying for the sick. Right. But praying from the list. We know who is in the hospital, who's dying, who's this. Pray the list, but we do not pray with the laying on of hands. And when we see in the Gospels, we see Jesus teaching his disciples. Then we see Paul laying his hands on Timothy. We see Paul and Barnabas and the teachers gathering together, fasting and praying and laying on of hands to commission to send out. Uh, we can go all the way back to Moses and we can see when Jethro came to him and said, what are you trying to do? Run all these people. You can't do it by yourself. God elects the 70, right? So they bring in this, this other uh, group of elders and God puts his spirit the same spirit he put on Moses, which we know is the Holy Spirit, uh, before Jesus comes on the sea, right? We are, have got a demonstration. The spirit landed on those elders and those elders then laid on hands because they commissioned Joshua and they commissioned Caleb. And we see the demonstration throughout scripture of the laying on of hands. And as we get into the New Testament, we're looking at the laying on of hands for healing. And so it's largely misunderstood. People don't know uh, what does the word of God say? What's the history 
up way on their hands. Um, and somehow that got relegated over there to the extreme charismatic Pentecostal churches as being something wacky, when truly uh, it, it is a model of love. Right. It's, if there's physical connection with people, there's, there's love exchange. Right. And it's not that God can't heal without the laying on of hands. I've seen him do it thousands of times. But there's something about human-to-human contact, the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit ignites a fire between those two entities, and it's the demonstration where Jesus clearly said, where two or more of you are gathered, I am in your midst. And when we join with the Holy Spirit and begin to pray in the name of Jesus, the craziest things occur that you not you can't actually get your head around. I mean, the, the amount of uh, hundreds of thousands by this time in 10 years of praying for the sick. Um, and honestly, I, if you, you know, you're starting to get to know me. So I'm actually by nature fairly skeptical. I'm completely logical. I'm a very linear thinker. I'm not highly emotional. I'm not super merciful. <laughs> I actually wonder why God uses me at all. But I'm really not that kind of, uh, high emotion. I'll believe anything you say. I'm very, uh, all right, I'm going to study it on my own and I'm going to need to like research all these things in order to believe that. That's pretty much my MO. So when people told me that God healed today, I was like, uh, I've never seen it. And you know my story. I suffered for almost 15 years with incurable nerve damage. And so I had seen 43 different medical professionals. And all those surgeries that I had, 13 surgeries in those number of years, the end of my rope was with medicine. There was no more for them to do for me. And then I still didn't believe God could heal me. I thought if he wanted to, he could, right? He's God. But would he? I never thought I was that good of a person. So my context, as many Catholics uh, would attest to, if, if you talked to them, many Protestants, same thing, they would say, I'm not really worthy enough to be healed. Mm. To listen to the entire podcast with Joe and Moody, go to catholicmomsinthemiddle.com and click on the link for podcast. I remember calling my mom. She had MRSA in her finger. And I remember saying, Mom, God can heal that. And she would say, God's busy with all the people who have much bigger problems than me. I mean, how many times have you heard that? Well, and I know sitting at the the Greater Things Conference this summer and watching the healing ceremonies that took place each night, they were so powerful, but yet we were sitting in the back like good Catholics do. And I felt like we were sitting back with our arms crossed, just kind of taking it all in. And I had that thought, like, because I have a um, rare blood disorder and so the priest we were with kept saying, go up there and get prayed over. And I kept thinking, but there are other people who need it more than me. There are other people who should be prayed over. And so I can totally relate with, you know, the way your mom felt. Yeah, but that is such a lie because God is so beyond the scope of our understanding. And, and he's so much larger than we, we can imagine. I mean, I'm telling you how many times I've seen that happen where people are sitting in the back, they need hearing. And just their willingness to, even though they don't understand, their willingness to stand up, walk down the aisle, they're healed by the time they 
get up there. Well, and the other thing I would say as we were sitting back there, because with words of knowledge, they would call out, you know, do you have back pain? Do you have this? And and I would say, okay, God, if you really want me to be healed, then somebody will say, this is, you know, a blood disorder. And so it was very interesting. And by the end, I think it was three days, by the third day, I felt like God said to me, not I can heal, but Jenny, what if I can? Like, what if all of this is true? And what what if I can do this? And so that was what I took away. Like, what if it is true? Like, I believe it's true. Yeah. I believe it's true, but it just took that. What if it is? And it's true. It's different if you believe it's true, but is it true for me? Is it true right. for my own life? I mean, I think I, I meet thousands of people who say, I believe God would do that for you, but would he, you know, he would do it for me. I'll tell you, um, just having come back from South Africa, uh, very preaching and uh, lines and lines of people for healing. And we had a team, a woman came up to me and she was an elderly woman. And she said, I need a hip replacement and I have angina, chest pain, uh, heart problems and, and that. And I had an instant picture of her having um, an unstable lower back, but her hips being very out of uh, symmetrical alignment. And I said, oh, hey, hang on. And I got a chair and I sat her down and I said, you know, your hips are are off by a great deal. And she looked at me kind of strange. And uh, I said, so I'm going to have you sit here and I'm going to hold your legs out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what I'm talking about. And so there was a woman standing next to her. And as I held her legs, one of her legs was two inches shorter than the other. And I said, I know you can't see this because you're too far away from your own feet. I said, but I'm going to get this lady next to you to verify what I'm telling you. So this lady looks down and she nods her head, but she doesn't say anything. This is this lady standing next to her. And so I tell this lady standing next to her, hey, put your hand on this lady's hip and tell the hip to release in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, the woman does put her hand on the hip, but no sound comes out when she says nothing. She mouths the what I tell her to say, but no sound comes out. And I think, what a, that's weird. But the moment she mouthed the name of Jesus, the woman's leg shoots out and it's now the same length. And I am in shock because the woman never said a word. It was the mouthing of Jesus. And I went, okay, Lord, I got a whole, I mean, I feel Holy Spirit even right now just mm-hmm. because it was such a bizarre. How did I pick the one person without a voice? in the entire church. I don't know how that, uh, but I know because what happened next. I told the woman, I just felt the presence of God land on this woman. The woman starts weeping and I say, stand up. You're not going to have any more pain. Your hip has been completely healed. She stands up. She's wild. She's running around. She's completely healed. And I said, come here. I'm going to put my hand on your chest and I'm going to ask the Lord to completely uh, change all of uh, what's going on with your heart and, and heal your heart. So she she has no more pain. She goes to hug me a thousand times. She leaves. The lady with no voice now is standing there and she has two young sons who are teenagers with their hands on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. And they say to me, my mother had throat cancer. She cannot speak. She hasn't spoken for three years, but she believes Jesus will heal her. And I look at her and I think, what? That woman had so much faith for the other woman So I put my hand on the base of her throat and I said what I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, which was, tell her to say my name. I said, say Jesus is Lord. 
and at first it was no sound, no sound. Within five minutes, you heard it like that. Within about eight minutes, she's saying Jesus is Lord. Ten minutes, she's speaking. I take her to the platform. I tell the pastor, it, you know, give this testimony. This whole room is going to break out because we know by faith, right? When we see uh, Jesus talk about people over and over in the Gospels, go, you know, go, your faith has healed you. Your faith, your faith. This woman's faith was crazy. And then I found out, I, I flew out the next day. I got a video from Brian. He sends me a four-minute video of this woman's healing testimony. She had had four surgeries in the last three years. Her vocal cords were about a third of an inch apart, which means there could not be speech. They did not go together after she had so much scarring. She'd been through those four surgeries, Botox, speech therapy, nothing worked. Jesus gave her a creative miracle. He gave her brand new vocal wow. cords. For the okay. next... Oh, the best story. The next three days, she went out with our team into the settlements. Turns out she's a polyglot. She speaks nine languages and she wow. used to be an executive film producer for Netflix. This woman, highly educated, nine languages. Jesus heals her supernaturally. She told Brian, can you give my information to Joe? I'm going to make a movie about what happened to me because no one will believe it. So I thought, isn't God amazing that he would heal somebody who can shout his name from, you know, in nine different languages and tell this miracle. But right. it is this moment in time where you're thinking, I'm a normal person, but the power of the name and the blood of Jesus does these extraordinary things through my very lame prayers. Let me tell you, they're not perfect. <laughs> and it's just yours and my willingness to be uncomfortable, to trust him that he would like to use our lives to manifest his glory through. It's truly the most humbling. Uh, it, it's the most humbling thing that they're ever I'm honored to be a part of it. Oh my gosh, crazy. Yeah. So what about the times when people have faith, the times that you've prayed over people and healing hasn't happened? It's the worst. It's... <laughs> Wrenching. It's, it's probably, um, the re, it's the other big reason why nobody, not nobody, but people don't want to do it because we cannot, uh, get our heads around the mysteries of God, right? We, we love the majesty of God, the glory of God, but the mystery of God, man, it drives us crazy. Right. So I asked the Lord actually about six months ago, I said, Father, if you're going to increase your presence on the earth in this season and you're pouring out like you are, I mean, we're, we're watching uh, things we've never seen before um, happen just in the most crazy ways. I asked him, how do, how do you get your head around when it doesn't happen? Like people ask me that all the time. And I literally was shown something. Um, and I can only tell you it, it was like a, an open vision. I had my Bible open in front of me and I was reading and I was praying and I saw a scale come in front of me and the scale had, it was quite interesting. On one of the plates, it said majesty. On the other plate, it said mystery. And mm -hmm. at the top of the, the scale what it, that holds the plate, the arm that holds the plate, it said the Holy Spirit. The whole uh, stem of of this 
uh, scale said the name of Jesus. And on the bottom, uh, wrapped around it, it said, um, it said authority and power. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a moment I was like, what is this? And the Lord said, watch this. He said, my authority and power is the basis of all healing. It comes through me, Jesus, mm -hmm. through the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, and majesty and mystery are in balance. Mm -hmm. He said, problem that you have, he's telling me, the problem you have, Joe, is when you so, you cannot figure out why, I, why that person didn't get healed. And then you are demanding an answer. And really, it is mystery, it's a mystery to you. And sometimes I will tell you why and other reasons, I, there are other reasons why I won't tell you why. I asked my friend Richard, who prayed for me the night that I was healed, I said, how do you navigate that? And he said that he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus one time where he had demanded God in this way, very in a kind of, he admits, in a kind of arrogant way, he said, Lord, I prayed for that woman, you know, whatever it was, 17 times, and I was so sure you were going to heal her, and you didn't. You need to heal that woman. And he said, the presence of God and just the manifest presence of Jesus came in such a huge and glorious way in his room. It knocked him to his face, and he was on the ground with feeling like, oh dear, I said too much. And the Lord said to him, do you know what would have happened if she was healed? Do you know what would have happened uh, to the extended family? Do you know, you know, this, do you know that? And he, and Richard said, he showed him like layers and layers and layers of, if she had been healed, this, 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 this. And instead Richard just laid there and cried. And he, and the Lord said, your job is to pray without ceasing with thanksgiving to bring everything to me and to move with my spirit. And when you do not see healing, you are to leave it in the mystery of who I am. That's beautiful. And I thought, you know what? I can live with that, Lord. I, it doesn't mean I ever stop praying because sometimes I've prayed for somebody 10 times and on the 10th time they get healed. And I really, that's another mysterious weird thing. But there are moments when you really do not understand and for someone who demands an answer from God, they will give up praying for the sick. Mm -hmm. It truly is a heartbreak. But I will tell you this, the numbers of people that do get healed when you pray are staggering. They are so high. And so mm -hmm. for that person here and there that does not get healed, uh, it breaks our hearts. It guts us every time but we have to leave them with a blessing and with being loved, with prophetic words, with whatever it is we have uh, that we can offer uh, through the Lord. One of the things we talk about in the Catholic Church is redemptive suffering. Like yes. we have this suffering and we all have suffering because of the fall of man and that we can take that suffering and unite it to Jesus on the cross and our prayers are more powerful and we can save souls. And so there's this um, there's this blessing that can come out of suffering. And I think that's one of the things that I have thought for so long, like God is, I have this suffering and it's just part of my prayer. It's part of how I can pray for my family or pray for others. And one of the ahas that I had was, although I have this suffering, I can still pray for healing. 
You know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. The suffering may last longer than I want it to. It's a way to keep me connected with Christ. And all through that suffering, it's okay to still pray for healing. Yes. And it's sometimes the key to breakthrough is you actually praying for other people. And somehow through that, sometimes it you you're healed in the process. I think with redemptive suffering and the understanding of that with um, the Catholic faith, sometimes we take scripture out of context where it says that you will suffer. Right, um, we're going to pick up our cross and follow the Lord, and um, it says that you will suffer for my sake. I think there's many many times in the Gospels where that word suffering is actually persecution. Um, mm. It's the, the physical suffering of the body. So I think that there are moments where always does God use everything together for our good, right? Romans 8, 28. Um, but I think there are those moments in time where we can, because I did it for 14 and a half years, where I said I'm suffering unto something. I did say that because that I grew up with with that paradigm of redemptive suffering. So but what I did not know was the scriptures that I used to talk about my redemptive, redemptive suffering were actually scriptures that were about persecution. You'll be persecuted um, because of my name rather than the physical sickness. And I had no idea the depth of the magnitude of the strongholds that were in my life that where I thought I wasn't worthy to be healed, the things about um, believing I wasn't truly forgiven for having lived like a heathen in my twenties and the different things of the, the guilt and the, the stuff that I just didn't shake off uh, when I gave my life to Christ. Those really were, um, anchors to me not being healed. Uh, right. but I had no understanding of that at that time. Yeah. So as we close, because I can talk to you all. <laughs> we could talk So as we close, I want to read um, an excerpt from your book. And it says, When we help others stand in the light of Christ as powerful intercessors for their own families, we break the patterns of chaos, pain, and destruction that has held generations in bondage. With Jesus, past painful memories can be reinterpreted in His perfect love, rendering impotent the strongholds of those memories. Jesus commissioned all believers in Matthew to go forth and do as he did, doing even greater things. So what would be one piece of advice if somebody has listened and they're like, they can feel the Holy Spirit calling them to move in this way? What would be a piece of advice you would give them? Um, the basic greatest way of Breaking into this kind of lifestyle is to simply go someplace. Maybe you go, maybe your thing is go, you go get coffee. Maybe it's you go to Target. I don't know. You go grocery shopping. Ask the Lord to give you what he feels or what he thinks about somebody in front of you. A simple God, tell me, you just say, Lord, you're in me. You, you're working through me. Tell me what you think about the person in front of me. Or tell me what you feel about the person in front of me. And simply stop for a second and breathe. And the impression that you had might be something as simple as what you shared. You told the lady who waxed your brows, do you know how much Jesus loves you? Maybe it's something simple like that. But maybe it's even deeper because the Lord will sometimes give you the lash of something across your brain like, this person... Uh, 
needs a new car. Like just a strange thought. And if you're willing to just release that one thing, you're starting a journey of actually partnering with God to do what you were born to do. Right. When we ask God for his feelings about somebody or his thoughts about somebody, we've literally become the catalysts of releasing the love of Jesus to that one person. And you might be terrified. You might think this is so weird, but I'm going to tell you, if you'll do it, it will change your entire life. Because the power of the Holy Spirit in the transformational love of Christ will run through you into that person, through your eyes, through your smile, through your simple, simple words. And you will go back to your car, drive home, and you'll be wrecked. And you will say, wow, God, that was hard. And yet it was the easiest thing I could ever do. This is what the world needs. Right. The world needs love and kindness from Jesus. We have been traveling a lot this summer. And so my husband has just gotten used to me saying, okay, God has given me a word for this person, whether we're sitting in the airport or in the restaurant. And he's just like, okay, release it. And it's so interesting how my heart beats really fast. And I tell them, and sometimes it just bounces off. Like, I don't know if it, like, say, right. And sometimes it causes them to stop and you can immediately see that it was what they needed and what they um, were going through in their life. And it's so fun, and it's just so exciting to see that happen. And imagine, imagine this. If every person would do this, this is what Jesus said, that the kingdom has come upon you, and then the kingdom goes and spreads. This is what it means to be salt and light. And yes. you know, Family is full of, I we still have unbelievers in my family. Even though I'm a, a medical miracle, I still have unbelievers in my family. Right. They're a stubborn lot, a lot of my family. But when I'm around them and they watch me go do that, they stand there and weep. Right. They're ones that don't yet, they're not willing yet to give their lives over to Christ. They stand and weep because the Spirit of God touches them when the love of Christ is expressed. And that's wow. what you do. When somebody, you think it maybe didn't land, you know, right, the person didn't react, you, ha- you have changed their life because nothing that you do that is partnered with the Holy Spirit will ever return void. You've just launched a seed into their heart and maybe they tried to dismiss you because they, they didn't want you to, to be that close to them, but you have just planted a seed and others will come along and water it. That is how we partner with God to change the world. Absolutely. Joe, thank you so much for being with me today. You are uh, so welcome. I'm so grateful. Yes. Will you close us in prayer? I would love to. Father, I thank you so much for each and every mom that's listening to this broadcast. Father, we thank you that you chose us truly before the foundations of the earth to be your daughters, to be your princesses, to be the one God that you use to change the world. And so, Father, I ask that whatever is um, coming against your daughters in this hour, Father, would you clear off the heaviness in the name of Jesus? Would you bring about the transformational power of the Holy Spirit right now on each and every one that is listening? Give us ears to hear, God. Give us eyes to see what you're doing in the supernatural. 
And Father, would we be the willing vessels that you laid your life down through your son so that we would be the catalysts of love to bring the hurting and the lost into the arms of the only Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, friends, until we meet again next week, go out and magnify Christ in your little corner of the world. God bless. For more information on Catholic Moms in the Middle or to set up your complimentary Moms in the Middle mentoring session, go to catholicmomsinthemiddle.com or find me on Facebook at Catholic Moms in the Middle for even more encouragement and support as you embrace this next season of life. The music for this podcast was written by Sean Williams, Catholic composer and musician. You'll find more of Sean's original music at musicbyshawnwilliams.com. That is musicbyshawn, S-H-A-W-N, williams.com.